0: NAD Ministerial presents Multiply. Multiply Baptize Equip Plant with Jose Cortez Jr.
1: I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read this
2: to the. Title. <laughs> and this morning we're having a baby dedication, you know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the
0: name of the Son,
2: and in the name of the Spirit. We're about
0: to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos días amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. Hi, I'm Patricia, and welcome. All churches grow old, but strategic churches are growing young. How can that happen? Find out today as our host Jose Cortez Jr. talks to Alan Martin.
1: So some people will just kind of pigeonhole this as, oh, well, let's just get a youth group or let's just start a club ministry in order to revitalize our church. Well, as long as those activities are extracurricular to the heart of the church, certainly those are fun activities and fun programs to go to, fun events. But what will bond us together as a church? What will create this resonance of relationship between older generations and younger generations? The challenge for us is that for many of us, we don't understand the complexity of today's generation and what they're experiencing. We see their phones and we don't know that they're getting overwhelmed with the realities of being able to see too much too soon. That's right. Um, and so the anxiety and the depression, the sense of comparison that maybe you and I experienced when we were young, is nowhere close to the type type of stressors that our young people are experiencing.
0: We've got lots of great actionable insights on the way, more in a moment. We want you to know that we are here as a growth resource. Go to nadministerial.com and click on podcast for everything you need to multiply your ministry. Our guest is Alan Martin. Here's Jose.
2: All churches grow old, but strategic churches are growing young. That's a great thought by Kara Powell, and she's the director of the Fuller Youth Institute. And welcome to our Multiply podcast uh, from the campus of Andrews University. And we are on the studios of the Adventist Learning Community. And today I have a very special guest, Alan Martin. Alan, you're the teaching pastor of the Younger Generation Church in yeah. Dallas,
1: Texas. Arlington, Texas? Arlington, Texas. Arlington, That's Texas. That's right. close. All right. So good to see you here, my brother. Oh, glad to be here.
2: Um, how does it feel to be back at Embarrant Springs?
1: Well, you know you're back in uh, southwest Michigan when you have to scrape the ice off your windshield. So and You had
2: to do that today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back with you here, Jose. Hey,
2: Excellent to be back here as well. And um, Alan, we've known each other now for a few years. Yeah. Okay. I remember back in the days when you used to pastor in in Florida mm-hmm. a few years ago, and I used to be in Washington DC in Potomac Conference. Yeah. And we're getting a little older,
1: aren't we? <laughs> well, it kind of happens, doesn't it? I mean, I, you still I, look really good, though. Oh, I do. Yeah. I, I got gray hair showing up. When I pull pull out a, a kind of a beard look, I got gray hairs. It looks right. pretty pretty ancient. Yeah, growing old is something that both of us have. Experienced over the years, yeah. I'm assuming everyone has. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm getting a few gray hairs as well myself, you know, and, and, and that's normal. Yes, that's it that's is. part of life, yeah. and as it happens with human beings, it also happens with churches, doesn't yeah. it? That's right. We have churches that are, well, all churches eventually will grow old, right? Yes. Uh, however, you know, there are churches that are growing young nowadays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and Adventism is not the exception. In, no. in the Adventist church, we're, we're growing gray, we're growing older, and you go to a lot of places. As I go uh, just about every weekend. I'm somewhere in North America, and I see, um, and we love our gray hair people. Of course. Okay? Of we course. stand on their shoulders, okay? Yeah. I love we're you, about, Jose. <laughs> we're about to become gray hair people ourselves. Well, we're there. We're just uh, okay. trying to fake it. <laughs> okay. But, but what can we do? What can we do for our churches to to grow young? Yeah, yeah. We need to be intentional. something has to be done. so uh, what 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 can we do
1: well it's, it's a it's a great thing to to actually recognize and respect that our churches are growing older. But the part that has uh, been troubling to my heart over um, uh, multiple decades now is that um, to the degree that our churches are all naturally growing older, but there's not a space for younger generations to kind of continue on with us. Um, that's the part that's of concern, and I appreciate your heart for this. and And what can we do? And so we've been really excited to partner with Fuller Youth Institute. Previous to that, we partnered that's with right. Barna Group, just to kind of take a look at the um, at the complexion of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, in particular in the North American division, and and actually answer this question: What can we do? So that's kind of where we we are starting off in this wonderful learning journey with Growing Young Adventists. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly helping local churches uh, understand how to love next generations better, so i 'll just kind of set this out as kind of the key thing and this may actually circumvent our entire podcast, but by giving away the punchline here, but different from previous generations, if you remember, there was this generation gap yep right where the boomers did not like the establishment and they were burning their dra- their bras and their draft cards and and they were they were um, rebelling against the system, even with the subsequent generations, Generation X and, and so forth, um, we saw this thing called the generation gap. Well, the most recent research of which um, Barna Group and Fuller Youth Institute has done, and we've done it also in, in, our, in our circles of researchers here in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we're finding that today's generations, the next generations, want to have relationships with older generations. By all means. Yeah. Well, see, here's the part that's kind of um, kind of uh, confusing to people is that, okay, you say the next generations want to have relationships with us, but we, we're very intimidated as they're texting on their phones and their heads are down looking at their electronic devices. So could it be that we don't want to have a relationship with them? Well, I think that on, on both sides, we both want relationships, but we're intimidated with the idea of building relationships with people that aren't our age totally are, different yes, than they, we are. They they, t- they talk a different language. Their their emojis and so forth is hard to understand. And and certainly as you talk with teenagers and young adults, they see the older generations making references to historical things that they've experienced <laughs> that are <our> next <laughs> <Young> generations. <laughs> they have no idea. Well. they have no idea or they've seen it in the history books. And so uh, bridging that gap, I kind of the clincher here is that we are primed in the Seventh-day Adventist Church to build robust intergenerational relationships to help our entire church not only grow young, but grow together.
2: That's it. And Alan, to me, this is so personal, as I know it is to you, because I have, I have two teenagers. Oh, yeah. Okay? i got a 14-year-old, 13-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have a daughter, as you've mentioned, that is getting ready to get married
1: Oh man, Aye. you said that on the podcast, man. I have to face the reality now. <laughs> <laughs> man, are you doing okay with that? I'm I'm doing all right and and you blink an eye and that that little teenager is now They're going to uh, be in the same boat. Your your soon. boys get prepared for them to propose, but that's a My blink Lord. of the eye, man.
2: Well, they're going to have to need a church. They will need a church. Sure. That that they'll be able to be a part of and serve with and worship with. Yeah. And unless we do something, we could be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't want to sound like an alarmist here, but, no. but that's the reality, right? Is well, that
1: defining reality, would you say? Yeah, I mean, as you, you don't have to be a researcher to just look over the average congregation in the North American division and see that we have a lot of faithful folks that are part of our congregations. We love these people, but you'll oftentimes find next generations and young families missing, missing. from the landscape of every weekend Sabbaths in your local church setting.
2: So would it be okay to say that if we don't have younger generations in our churches, our churches pretty much, those churches without younger generations, they are headed to the burial site?
1: <laughs> well, yes, they're headed <laughs> to the burial site. And I definitely think that Cemetery. we have to understand that that we are growing older mm-hmm. and congregations that aren't finding ways by which to integrate the vitality of next generations into their faith community, Will, will naturally not only gray, but eventually extinguish. We've seen this happen in other it's, parts of the world. It's happened.
2: It's yeah. happened. So that's why we're putting the context for this conversation that we're having on revitalizing churches. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to revitalize churches, you need to have younger generations. Absolutely. Without younger generations, it is nearly impossible to revitalize the church. Would you agree?
1: I, I certainly would agree in regards to that. Uh, the revitalization is this understanding that we actually need each other. So some people will just... Kind of pigeonhole this as, oh, well, let's just get a youth group or let's just start a club ministry in order to revitalize our church. Well, as long as those activities are extracurricular to the heart of the church, certainly those are fun activities and fun programs to go to, fun events. But what will bond us together as a church? What will create this resonance of relationship between older generations and younger generations? That's really, for me, the key in regards to helping the Seventh-day Adventist church thrive instead of decline.
2: So you're suggesting that there should not be a separation, that there should be a lot of working together... Uh, a lot of hanging out, a lot of worshiping together, intergenerational.
1: Well, it's a it's a both end. Don't okay. don't don't mistake the idea that when we have great camperies or they have summer camps, when we have youth groups that do things together, there's something important in regards to peer re- relationships. But too often, in many of our churches and even in many of our organizations in the Adventist Church, we siloed ourselves off from one another. And so, when you do that, you don't build relationships with one another. You work with people that are in your peer group, or they, they think like you, or they look like you. And and when we've done that, um, unfortunately, um, the generations suffer because we we aren't, we aren't building the type of relationships that reflect the heart of Jesus when it's just us talking to our own peer group.
2: Okay, so right now we're talking to thousands of pastors and church leaders and members who are uh, listening to this podcast and perhaps watching. and. And they are saying, "Yeah, but my church is in the middle of nowhere, and it's a small church. And my church is not cool. Our pastor is an <laughs> older pastor. And he doesn't play guitar, and he doesn't wear skinny jeans. So there is no way that my church will ever be able to do this. My church is in the..." Mi- so, what can what can we say to to these pastors and to these church leaders who perhaps are feeling totally hopeless right now? Do you yeah. need to have all of those things in order to grow young?
1: Well, I think that's a great point that you're making, Jose. There's a lot of myths as to how to to garner next generations, a lot of mistaken ideas. And so in the research that was done by Fuller Youth Institute, and we've seen this reflected also in the Dudley research and also in regards to Barna Group, is that there are aspects that we all know intuitively draw all of us together. And so all of these little things that are nice, don't get me wrong, it's nice to have a cool pastor, Nothing it's wrong nice with that. to have a youth group. Hey, We used to be cool pastors, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm, there hoping was a time. That I, yeah, I'm hoping that I still was, but I'm not sure, man. <laughs> so those are nice things to have, but the research, which was an exemplar research approach, says what are the things, regardless of size of church, that are actually drawing people into the heart of the church? And so I would say that it would be really valuable for those that are maybe listening on this podcast to To explore with their church leaders um, the growing young Adventist material, because okay. it, it, we need to break out of these myths that you have to you have to have a certain type of music, a big or, church, big budget, or a big budget in order to draw young people. And these ideas are intuitive. So, like one of the one of the values is fueling warm community. Okay, you and I know this intuitively, not only for young people but for all people. Everybody wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be in a place that is. Uh, a place that they feel a sense of belonging or at least they're warm and welcoming or at least they look at you (laughs) (laughs) and say hi they may not know you and they might might be a little bit off put for a bit but they're making an endeavor to be warm and hospitable everybody wants that that's right so intuitively we know that that works in regards to drawing people to the church it works also for young people and so it's important that you that we understand that the that the the new cool in the church is being warm
2: Ooh, all right the new cool is being warm
1: yep okay. that's right and when they they looked at the kind of the warm cluster the words of a belonging and hospita- hospitality and welcoming this is what they called the warm cult cluster in regards to the research that growing young did. And um, churches that are that way not, not only draw, draw the adults and the senior citizens, they, they draw, the they draw a, and kids a, a and wonderful group of children and, and young people as well.
2: All right, all right. Uh, you have referred to the Growing Young material several times. And for the listeners that don't know what this is all about, mm-hmm. can you explain a little bit? And then we're going to get into some of the six core commitments. Sure. All right, you just mentioned one. Sure. But I want to get into the, all the five in the next few moments. But what is this Growing Young uh, curriculum, Growing Young material. Yeah. Uh, what is it?
1: Well, Growing Young is a book that was released a couple of years back by Fuller Youth Institute. Green book. Yes, a, a green, <laughs> a distinctly green book uh, by Kara Powell, Jake Mulder, That's and right. Brad Griffith. And what they've done in that is they basically articulated the research that they had done, finding out what were the characteristics that helped draw young people into local churches. So they started several churches? Oh, well, they did a, a nationwide uh, selection of, of churches that they found that were actually thriving.
2: Were there all big churches? No, no,
1: Churches in the big cities? Yeah, that's part of what they found out, is that these churches ranged in a variety of liturgies, variety of sizes, variety of budgets. So there was variety? Yeah, there was a great variety of churches. And you have to understand, with the exemplar, they weren't just trying to get a representational sample. They were actually going to churches that had best practices. Okay,
2: so and they went to churches that are growing young.
1: Yes, and they didn't find that all of them were mega churches. They didn't find all of them were all in the southwest or in a particular part of the country. They didn't find all of their... Pastors wearing skinny jeans and playing various instruments up on stage. They found all different eclectic. Types
2: Which of means churches. that you can grow young wherever you are, and and, and pretty much, it's not geographical. It's not. Uh, you can grow young. Yes. Your church can grow young.
1: Well, you can grow young Adventists in your church, regardless of those myths. Okay. But there were six commitments, six particular characteristics that they found were intrinsic to these churches that were thriving in regards to younger generations being drawn into the very core of and uh, the, the heart of church life.
0: More with Jose and Alan in a moment. We'd love to get to know more about you and your ministry. NAD Ministerial is dedicated to your growth and success. Go to our website, nadministerial.com, go to podcast, and sign up so we can keep you connected to the best tools, the information, and events to help you multiply your effectiveness in evangelism. Oh, and make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And all of Jose's social media contacts are also there on the website, nadministerial.com. Now back to the interview.
2: I think you mentioned the first one, uh, just unlocking, right? Unlocking the yeah. The un, key,
1: yeah, one of the one of the one of the um, keychain leadership, right? Yeah, one of the aspects that is, you know, we understand this, especially if you're from the business world, is that if you want your business to continue to thrive, you have to continually look for young leaders to apprentice and intern. Yeah. Well, in so many of our churches, unfortunately, leadership gets locked into that adult that has held that role and finds power and identity in that role and refuses to let anyone help. I've
2: known people that have oh, you <laughs> that role for 30 years, you know, and they don't want to give it to the novice, you know, yeah. they said, hey, the Bible says that we should not give any, uh, you know, make a, a neophyte, you know, an elder, so, that, yeah. so they don't. They don't begin to think higher of themselves. But this very same person that is quoting that Bible verse uh-huh. at the same time has held that office for 30 years, you
1: know, and they have big heads too about it, you know. Like, yeah, well, the, the, I want to make sure that we're really clear on this, is that um, our adult leadership, we value them and their faithfulness. But if we're, we're going to follow the biblical mandate, the, the big biblical guide in regards to how to grow a vibrant, spirit-filled congregation, Um, The illustration of how Moses poured into Joshua is one that we think of all the time. These disciples were following a young rabbi around Mm -hmm. as as apprentices to the spiritual development of their lives to potentially be spiritual leaders. We have lesson and illustration and story after story in the Bible of how important it is for us as older generations to take on the mantle and responsibility of pouring the best of our grace our goodness, our wisdom, and our love for Jesus into the next generation. And this
2: goes even beyond mentorship, right? Oh, yeah. You know, you be, you're a mentor, you help helping, you teach me how to do it, but then you let me do it, <laughs> yeah. right? Because some people, you know, they love
1: teaching people how to do it, but then they don't give the, the opportunity to actually do it, right? Yeah, well, that's that, that what we're talking about? Well, I think that that's part of the, the importance that we have to share with our older adult members is that uh, it's important to understand that change is mm-hmm. something that can be very fear-producing. But if we understand that we expand our influence for the kingdom by pouring into that next young person, Mm -hmm. it can help alleviate some of these aspects of pride Mm -hmm. or aspects of fear that I won't have a place in the church if I give it over to a young person. The reality is, at least from what we've seen in the research done by Fuller Youth Institute, by Barna and also by us as Adventists, is when you pour into that next generation, it bolsters the responsibility that you have to be an elder statesman in your local church. And further, I found in my own personal experience, I learned from them too.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I remember I had a, a mentor once, and he was a great mentor. But the moment we got to a place in which we were, we were kind of equal, uh, things were not as uh, nice anymore. So he could be a great mentor, but couldn't be a colleague. Yeah. All right. So uh, we need older generations that are willing to mentor, but at the same time, willing to pass on the baton. Yeah. Well, let's. And become that's the elder important. statesman. Yeah. Stateswoman. Yeah. I don't the, know if we could say that. English is my second language, but
1: hey. <laughs> the, the challenge for us is that when we do that, we're doing uh, a thing called the Great Commission. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and when we do that, we expand the kingdom. But there also comes this point where, like take for instance for me, I'm the young adult, uh, I'm in charge of a variety of young adults and the teaching pastor for our young adult ministry at Arlington Seventh-day Adventist Church. I don't have the stamina to stay up till 2 o'clock going to the <laughs> International House of Pancakes after they've had a great event, Mercy, right? So we come to a, a different stage in it's our lives. <laughs> it's hard to sleep after you eat at night. It's well, not to
2: be a problem before, or, but now it is a problem for me
1: too. Or falling asleep at yeah. the IHOP, <laughs> that's a problem too. So the, That's not cool. The, the challenge for us now is to find ways by which to pass on to the gifts of the next generation, to do the things that are energetic and vibrant, and us to begin to live well in our own stage. That's right. And so at this point in my life, I I found that being a young adult pastor is is still invigorating, but in a way that was different from when I was in right. my 20s. Okay.
2: All right, number two, uh, empathize with younger generations. Is that number two? Yeah,
1: that's that's good.
2: Right. Am, I, am I getting okay? You're good. You're good. Right.
1: Tell me more about that. Well, I'll tell you, there's not any specific order that it needs to be in. Right. But when we begin to do more than just sympathize with people, we begin to build real relationships. Okay, so, so that's,
2: And that works for everybody as well, not only the younger generation.
1: It does, but the, the challenge for us is that for many of us, we don't understand the complexity of today's generation and what they're experiencing. We see their phones and we don't know that they're getting overwhelmed with the realities of being able to see too much too soon. That's right. Um, And so the anxiety and the depression, the sense of comparison that maybe you and I experienced when we were young, is nowhere close to the type type of stressors that our young people are experiencing. So the degree to which we were willing to come alongside people and, you know, in the old adage, wear someone else's moccasins for a mile or two. Wow. That's something that's super powerful, not only for the sake of us being able to understand better the realities that are going through with our children, our teens, our young adults and young professionals, even our young marrieds, but also when we do that, we bond a relationship where they feel as if we are trying our best to understand where they're at. Oh. And so I, I love mm-hmm. I love the little quote that uh, I think is, Popped up several times in our Growing Young Adventist endeavors is that leadership in our mind begins with listening. Mm. And listening is a great skill that, if we refine it, allows us to empathize with next generations in ways that we never have before.
2: Well, let's, 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 our time is running short here, but I want to hit on all of this. (laughs) Taking Jesus' message seriously. Yeah. Not talking about taking traditions seriously, because some people equate traditions to Jesus' message, right? So, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I think that part of, part of what we have to be very careful at, of is that sometimes we make good Adventists, but we don't make good Christians. Or we make followers of a denomination as opposed to followers of Jesus.
2: And we're here to make followers of Jesus, disciples.
1: The beauty of that is that we're part of the tribe of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yeah but Jesus is our leader. He's the head of our body. He's, mm-hmm. he's the one that wakes us up in the way. morning. Uh-huh. He's, he's the epicenter of all that happens. And so whether it's Growing Young Adventists or it's Multiply or it's the North American division, all these things are helping us center in our focus in this love affair with Jesus. Right. And so when we, when we have this relationship with Jesus, it means that we take his message seriously in every aspect of our life. Not just what we do for worship, or what we do on the weekends, but every aspect of our lives. And we need to take that seriously.
2: Every aspect of my life, every aspect of your life is Jesus related somehow.
1: Yes. Not just when we go to church. Yeah, no, that's so right.
2: We live spiritual lives, whether we want it or not. Well, and
1: Jesus must be a part of it. Jesus must be a part of it. I, I said one time, and I think I caught people off guard a little bit, but Jesus, if our faith is to be vibrant, and if our churches are to grow, Jesus has to be more than the best supporting actor. Okay. Yeah. He has to be it. He has to be the epicenter of our faith and our relationships and our lives. Right. We already talked about
2: warm communities, yeah. you know, and uh, warmth is the new uh, cool, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, then prioritize young people and young families everywhere. Yes. Okay. How How do we do that?
1: Well, let me break that down, and I would encourage each of your listeners to, to take an opportunity to read through the book. It's a quick read. But the idea here is that sometimes we segment off the young families to to the uh, cry room. Mm-hmm, the mother's room, right? <laughs> cry room. Yeah. And, Man, and it smells sometimes.
2: <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. But have you ever been to one of those mother's
1: rooms? Hey, you know. That, that, it, it is hard. Well, you know, that, that smell is very familiar to those young families. That's right. Um, and we oftentimes segment off our youth into some basement room where we don't have to hear their That's music right. genre and yep. so forth. The idea here is that when we prioritize and emphasize our our young families and our young people everywhere is that we integrate ways by which for them to invol- be involved in every aspect of the church, not just in the childcare, not just in the Sabbath school, not just in regards to the youth group event or the outing, but in every aspect of the church. So being able to prioritize and create welcoming spaces for them is super important. So that cry room. It, it, making sure that there is adequate supplies. That's right. <laughs> and adequate like ways by which. Up. Yeah, that's right. Adequate ways by which to dispose of that smell. That's right. As opposed to having a parent kind of frazzled as to how to manage situations. These are things that I like, churches can do. I like, I've
2: been in places where a kid begins to cry in the middle of a service, oh, sure. and everybody looks back. Oh yeah. People look back to see who's a kid crying, and then the parents they feel embarrassed. Oh sure. Right. So people don't want to come to church like that. Yeah. Is that would that be the case?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, my, our senior pastor at our church said that whenever there's crying babies in our church, it Man. means it means that our church is alive.
2: Man, yeah. And that means that your church has a, a present and a future.
1: Yeah. The right? scary thing to your point in regards to going to the graveside, I mean, there's no more silent place than the cemetery. That is true. So, hey. Uh, when you have children and young people in the house there will be a noise there there has to be this vibrancy and with that vibrancy you have these these gurglings yeah. and all kinds of different things types happen. of noises
2: too, and, it's, and it should be okay. Those noises should be the noises of hope. That's right. Oh, all right, I like that. noises of hope. That'll right. preach. All right. <laughs> That's, hey, the preacher is coming out just for a few moments here. And last but not least, best neighbors. Yes, we we need to be good neighbors as a church and
1: as Christians if we want to grow young. And there's nothing that I've seen um, energize next generations than the idea that their church is more than just a ser- series of presentations on the weekend but there is a church that's willing to roll up their sleeves and make a difference in their neighborhood, make a difference in their community. Would
2: the word compassion fit in?
1: Oh, Shameless plug. I'm speaking speaking your language here. (laughs) That's right. When we roll up our sleeves, it doesn't matter, matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, what class you are. When we roll up our sleeves and we help out our neighbor, young people will come to your church, even if they're still exploring faith. Even if they don't know Jesus, if you're making a difference in the lives of people and making this a better place for humans, they will come alongside you and discover the Jesus that you're expressing when you express compassion.
2: Well, so these six core uh, commitments, they can help any church to grow young. Yeah. And perhaps,
1: you know, when you're growing young, you're revitalizing your church. Well this that's the beauty of it is when when we when they did the research they found these commitments and characteristics not only benefiting next generations and young people but also the senior citizens. Yep. Um we have senior citizens in my home church that are off on a short-term mission trip to Peru or to Kenya. Uh-huh. And there's nothing like that activity to not only revitalize the young people but really but also the adults, right? create this fire in the next generation that our work is not done just because we come to the stage. In fact, our work continues to expand because of the wisdom that God's provided us.
2: So, Alan, our time is gone, but uh, no one is forcing churches to grow young. You know, it has to be a decision of individuals and churches to do that. So I guess if you don't want to grow young, you can do the opposite of the things that we just talked about, right? <laughs> and, and what's left? Yeah. The burial site?
1: Well, yeah, have I, I been too tragic? Well, here? I tell you what, you you got that pastoral flair that we we have <laughs> to realize that if we do not do something in regards to intentionally changing the culture of local churches, then inevitably all of our churches are growing old and they're becoming more silent and they're also becoming more irrelevant. And so, the degree to which we are growing young Adventists in our local congregations is the opportunity for us to not only spread the three angels' message but create this experience of not only anticipation of Jesus, but the embrace of Jesus in all generations as we grow together.
2: Thank you so much, Alan and Anne. We're praying together. I know we're praying together that our church in North America will be a church that, that grows young. And once again, this is Jose Cortez, Multiply podcast all the way from Andrews University. Take care.
0: Thanks, Alan and Jose. Make sure you sign up for our email list and don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to connect with Jose, home base for all things Multiply is nadministerial.com and click on podcast. I'm Patricia. Until next time, keep going, but most of all, keep growing. Multiply multiply a best practices podcast is a production of nad ministerial executive producer ivan williams designed by howran hill for anything is possible produced by kendra arsenal with christina massino edited by Taizi snyder